0: All right. Let's come back into our seats. Let's grab our Bibles. <clears throat> you know, sometimes, sometimes we just got to put our, the, an extra foot forward and just say hi to people and greet people and give to one another. It's good for us, right? Um. We have been in uh, discovery mode as we're trying to learn as a church, as a group of people here, how to uh, uh, not just love one another, but how love, biblical love, agape love, really works. It works anywhere you go. It works in our families and our jobs. It works amongst church relationships. It works in our neighborhoods. It works with extended family. It works with our children. I mean, how love, according to the Bible, works, and we've been... Going off of kind of influence from a book that a lot of our leaders got together and read, uh, called "Love Works," and uh, written by Joel Manby. And we've been uh, starting our services off, uh, our sermon at least, with uh, a video because he he was uh, he was uh, featured on the show "Undercover Boss." And so this is the fifth segment. We we kind of broken up this this TV show into different segments, and I'm sure. Most of you have already seen it and probably downloaded it on YouTube or whatever, but we're going to go ahead and continue doing this because it's just kind of something different and it'll be fun. So let's do it. Fifth segment. Joel Manby, CEO of Hershen Family Entertainment, continues his undercover journey inside his own company.
1: I'm going to work on the showboat Branson Bell. The showboat's over 14 years old, it attracts hundreds of thousands of people a year, and they come from all over the country. It's a highly timed experience where you have to get people on that boat, serve them, watch a show. It's very precise, and I want to go out and make sure our guest experience is still holding up and obviously look for ways to grow attendance as well.
2: Jennifer, this is John. John, Hi, this Jennifer. is Jennifer. How Hi,
1: How are you? Nice, be you? nice to meet you. Pleasure. Working
2: with you today. Go get your uniform ready and get dressed.
1: All righty. I've never served before, so are you a good trainer?
2: I'm going to try my best. (laughs)
1: Okay, thanks. Here we go. Hi.
2: Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. And this is John. He's going to be helping me serve today. What's your name? Yeah, this is his first time, so I'm going to help him out. Oh, you're a rookie? Yes. I am a rookie. (laughs) Regular for you, sir? Please.
1: Everybody all set? you good? Everybody all set with drinks? I'm going to get that coffee. You want anything in this glass? You want water or anything cold?
2: Timing is everything for us. Do you have a watch or a phone? I have a watch. Okay.
1: It's 11.55. Is it really? Yeah.
2: Okay, then then we have to go back and get um, everything ready. Have you ever carried a tray before? No,
1: I haven't. Well,
2: it's all about balance, so just find your balance. And we're just all going to just kind of parade through the very front row where we just were. There you go, the dressing is already on top for you. you can go ahead and place a couple down. Hello. And I hear we need some more dressing over here. You got it. Our dinner course comes out at 15 after.
1: I think I'm doing okay. I wish I'd worn an undershirt. I'm sweating like crazy. But I'm also nervous (laughs) that I'm going to drop something.
2: Okay, now push your hand towards the center as it goes. I've got this. You're good. Yep. Keep pushing it towards the center. Nope. Whoa. OK, hold on. <laughs> can you breathe? It's almost over. <laughs>
1: She's very efficient, but she has that rare talent that she can be efficient and really friendly at the same time.
2: How's your ice cream? Uh, yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs>
1: that's a great trait in this business.
2: Some of the ladies are loving him. He's adorable. So they're like,
1: hi, <laughs> you know? Wow. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you.
2: We're done. We're just going to go on break. This is when we get to eat our lunch and just kind of hang out. Hey, I'm kind of busy. What's going on? She's sick. What do you mean, like, sick? Did she puke sick or...? Hey. Just tell her to stay stay in her bed. No, she needs to stay in her bed Uh, and just stay at home and... I thought it was the time. Okay. All right, well, thanks for letting me know. Okay, bye. My daughter, she's sick.
1: How many children do you have?
2: I have two, 10 and seven. Wow. I married an army man, we're divorced now.
1: How is it raising two kids with this kind of a job?
2: Oh, It's actually really challenging, and we've been trying to get the corporation to actually get a childcare facility, because with all these parks and the weird hours that we work, it's we can't get a normal babysitter nine to five. But the biggest thing is in the recession right now, we're not filling the boat anymore. We usually have twice as many people. Yeah. And uh, we rotate through the boat, that's how we get a station. And when we rotate to the back of the boat and there's no people sitting in your station, we get sent home. I see. So I would have my child at the babysitter and then have to go turn around and go pick them right back up again, pay them for having them watch them for a couple hours, and then not make any money myself. And that happens all the time, all the time. So This job is a gamble. Never know what's going to happen when you come in.
1: It really is. A catastrophic issue day in and day out, she can't get her, her child care covered. And so, for people in that situation, we ought to have some kind of assistance for them. alrighty well, pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you. Take you. Care. Yeah. Good luck you to you. Later, Joel meets his toughest boss yet.
0: Make sure you get up here too. So make sure you don't put so much water. You got to take pride in what you do. <laughs> All right. Gotta come back next week, see what happens. Let's pray. God, it's great to be together uh tonight as a family, and I pray that as we read your word, that your word would uh provide direction, guidance in our lives, help us to uh be aware of the things that we need to grow in, and uh just we just wanna please you. We wanna be right, we want to do what's right, uh we want to grow in our faith and uh to discover more and more how love works, uh not just your love for us, but how our love for others in our everyday life can actually have an impact on this world uh father thank you so much for jesus and for him showing us his love through His sacrifice and through his interactions with people in the bible as we'll see tonight and uh, thank you so much uh, that we get to worship him and worship you and uh, father it's all about you in jesus name amen um you know we've talked about being patient, we talked about being trusting. We've talked about what it means to treat others with kindness. And today we're going to explore how the truth how the truth is part of this Agape love. This agape meaning a decision, not an emotion, not, not something that you feel, not the in love moment in that song that you hear about this person being the love of your life. And that's not the love we're talking about. It's a love that is uh, where you decide I'm able, even if I don't like this person, I'm able to show them through action, I'm able to show them love, unconditional, without expecting anything in return. And in the verse, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, it says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. I think this, you know, we read 1 Corinthians 13. I don't know about you, but I've read it many times. And I can fall into the, you know, love is patient, love is kind. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. And kind of skip over this verse. I've never really kind of stuck on this verse. But it's just one very powerful statement. Love rejoices in the truth. We live. We live in a very politically correct world, don't we? Uh, we don't want to hurt others' feelings, and because of this, many times we let too many things slide because we don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings. Uh, we want to be polite, and so we don't want to tell the truth. We don't want to say the truth. We, don't, we, we like to live sometimes in a state of um, just self-deception, or it's not that bad, or don't worry, I'll get over it. It's not that big of a deal, and we don't deal with the issues. Um, you guys ever seen American Idol? You guys seen American Idol? You know the singing competition and stuff like that. And and you had uh, in the beginning, you had uh, Randy Jackson as a judge and Paula Abdul. And and who was the guy that everyone wanted to listen to? Simon. Everybody wanted to listen to Simon. Why did everybody like Simon? Because he told the truth. He told, he said he said what you and I were thinking, right? Paula would be like so sweet good job but no today you know it's okay but you'll be fine just keep on practicing right Simon would be like that was horrible don't ever sing again you know what i mean and but when viewers when you and i watch that we're like i can't wait to get to simon because he's going to say exactly what i'm thinking right we 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 like the truth but sometimes we want somebody else to say it we don't want to say it right we want somebody else to say the truth but You know, he could have done. He probably could have done a better job, saying it with kindness, right, (laughs) or with love. But, but still, it was the truth. I remember um, um, a couple years ago for the teen camp. You know, some of the teens wanted to do a song for our teen camp, and they. I said, "Okay, you got to audition for me." And so they auditioned for me, and you know, it wasn't the best performance. And so I was like do you want the Paula Abdul judgment, or do you want the Simon Cowell judgment? And these bold teens said, well, we want the Simon Cowell one. And I said, okay, I'm going to give it to you straight up. You asked for it. Here we go. And I told them, you know, I told them the truth. It was not great. And I didn't say it was horrible, but I, I told them the truth. And we changed the whole situation around, and we had somebody else sing it. And, but I was proud of them. They took it. You know, people appreciate when we tell them the truth. The truth hurts. But we appreciate when somebody tells us the truth. Nobody wants to be lied to. You don't get in a friendship with somebody and say, I can't wait to lie to this person. I can't wait till this person lies to me. You don't go to a store and in customer service, the, the person serving you, you don't, you don't want them to lie to you about stuff. I, walked the, I went to New York a few weeks ago. Marina's not going to appreciate this story. But I went to New York a few weeks ago. And we walked out of a restaurant because they wouldn't let us share a plate. They wanted everybody to order an entree. But on the menu, it said $6 for a shared plate. And I showed it to the guy. I said, L- look, you're falsely advertising. You're lying to me. You're saying that I can share a plate, but now verbally you're telling me I can't. Forget this. I'm out of here. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it wasn't a fit of rage or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But you don't want to be lied to. Nobody likes to be lied to. Remember that movie A Few Good Men, right? Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise, and what's that famous line? <laughs> you can't handle the truth, right? I mean, the truth the truth hurts, but the truth works. The truth absolutely works. I want to read a story in the in the Bible here. Let's turn on our Bibles to John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, Try to get close to somebody who does and um, read along with us, but we're going to read an interaction that Jesus has uh, with a woman and see how the truth works. In John chapter 4, in verse 4, the Bible reads, now he had to go through Samaria Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, well, go go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. True awkward <laughs> sir the woman said I can see that you are a prophet our ancestors worshipped in this mountain but you Jews claim that the place to where we must worship is in Jerusalem woman Jesus replied believe me a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you Samaritans worship what you don't know we worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks god is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth the woman said i know that messiah called christ is coming when he comes he will explain everything to us then jesus declared i the one speaking to you i am he what an incredible interaction what an incredible conversation Jesus is just hanging by the well. He wants a drink of water. This woman comes up and they get into this conversation. And I'll tell you, it's it's one of these like nice to meet you. But boom, here you go. This is what it is. Now deal with it. Like it almost feels like, man, he just went there with her. He was willing to get his hands there and go in there. Jesus, in a conversation with this Samaritan woman, he's crossing a, a racial boundary. Jews and Samaritans don't associate with each other. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to talk. And then men and women don't really interact with each other in public in this way, in this culture, in this time. And here's Jesus talking to this woman from another race, knowing that people walking around would probably be like, what's going on here? This is looking a little shady. And Jesus talks to this woman and trying to get her to understand her need for spiritual fulfillment, and he confronts and tells her the truth about her lifestyle. Go call your husband. I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right. In fact, you've had five husbands. And the one you now have. Now, guys, understand what he's saying here. This is this is a culture of Judaism where divorce was completely frowned upon, and the only one who could offer the divorce is the man. And so this woman had been divorced by five different guys. Meaning, this guy that she's with right now, if it wasn't for him, she'd be be begging on the streets. There's no equal opportunity for men and women in this culture at this time. Are you guys with me? You guys understand what I'm saying? This was like, I mean, this woman's lifestyle was just, she, she, there's probably so much gossip about her in the little town of Sychar. And Jesus confronts her and he talks about this living water. He says, you're never going to thirst again if you, just, if you just drink this living water that I can only give you. He's trying to help her see that I'm the only one that can fulfill you. I'm the only one that can give you this eternal life. I'm the only You're searching for it in all these men's relationships. I'm the only one that has what you need. He knew exactly what she needed, and he said, he told her the truth. What did the woman do with this truth? She tries to put it back on him. Well, you know, our ancestors said that the worshipers must worship in Jerusalem. I mean, she tries to make it into a theological religious kind of conversation instead of dealing with her life. and then So Jesus goes along with it. He's like, okay, well, yeah, but let me tell you, the the other truth is it doesn't even matter anymore because after me, what what God's going to be looking for, the Father's going to be looking for, is worshipers in spirit and in truth. So you can talk about what mountain to worship on or what temple to go to and all this kind of stuff, but but at the end of the day, God's looking in your heart. I love Jesus. I love Jesus in this conversation. It's amazing. He doesn't get get frustrated with her. He doesn't get flustered. He doesn't get like, oh, wow, that's a good point that you made. No, he's very confident. He's very sure. He knows. He's the only person that can fulfill her. He knows. But she's trying to skate around the issue and not confront and deal with the truth of where she's at. And Jesus doesn't get, he doesn't get afraid. He just continues talking to her and getting at her. And she's still like, well, I know that Messiah, when Messiah comes, he'll explain everything. I mean, it's like, woman, I am he. Come on, girl. (laughs) I love this interaction. He He didn't beat around the bush. He confronted her lifestyle and made her deal with it. Jesus, as the embodiment of the truth, right? In, in the Bible, when you read the Gospels and you read about Jesus, almost every everything he says, he says, I tell you the truth, or truly I tell you, right? As the And he himself says, I am the truth. I mean, so Jesus himself, as the embodiment of truth, he brought the truth into the open without condescending her, and then he made that interesting statement about the type of worshipers that God will be pleased with in spirit and in truth. I think there are several principles, a couple principles I want to talk about today that, that we can learn from Jesus and from Scripture to equip us to be a people who rejoice in the truth. Amen. None of us wants to live a lie or live in a lie. If we need to change something, we would like to know what it is we need to change, even though it hurts. So how can we get better if no one ever tells us the truth? Two principles. Number 1. The truth frees us. Jesus in an encounter with Jews later on in John chapter 8, an encounter with Jews who are already following him, they're already believing in him, turns around And tells them that if they hold on to his teaching, they'll know the truth, and the truth will what? Set them free. And they're like, well, we're never been enslaved to anything. He said, well, anybody who sins is a slave to sin. But what a true statement that is, right? When we know the truth, and we're confronted with the facts in our lives, it's freeing. Because now we know what to work on. None of us, when we go to a doctor, none of us is like, tell me what I want to hear, right? No, tell me what I need to hear. If I'm sick, give me the correct, the facts so that I know the diagnosis, so that I can figure out the medication and get better. Don't try to butter it up for me. Just tell me straight up, doc. None of us goes to the doctor just like hoping that he just, Flowers it up and makes it all pretty for us, and just, and then leave, and like that's more confusing. It's like, wait, so, so I'm not sick or I am sick. I'm feeling. None of us likes that, and doctors don't do that. Doctors will very gently. Some doctors, you know, no offense to some doctors who are doctors who are here, but I'm I'm just saying, there are some doctors who will be a little bit too straight up, and you're like, boom, 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 you know. But the majority of doctors will tell you straight up, this, this is what's happening. Here are the facts. And you and I, as patients, leave there and we're like, "Amen." We know the diagnosis, and now I know what I needed. What, what needs to happen? Does that? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so it's freeing when we don't know. There's confusion. There's anxiety. There's nervousness. There's 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 questions. But man, when we know the facts and it's clear, it's it's freeing. It may hurt, but it's freeing. You guys follow? The woman, the woman here needed to be freed from her promiscuity and her self-deception. She needed to hear the tough facts of where she was at. She started focusing on everyone else. What about these worshipers and those worshipers? And you told us that the Jews and the Messiah is going to come. I mean, she tried, but Jesus wouldn't let her off the hook. You know, some of us here today, need to hear the truth more than we think we do some of us here are somewhat self-deceived at times as to how awesome or spiritual or godly we are and need people to come into our lives and just tell us straight up dude you are tripping wake up open the bible obey it Do do you understand what i'm saying some of us need to hear the truth, the fact that we're lazy, that we're not working hard. And that's, that's maybe why we're not doing so well in our job or not getting that promotion or, or not even being able to find the job. It's just what I'm saying. Some of us just need to have that tough conversation. Let's lay the facts out. Some of us need to hear the truth that since becoming a disciple, you haven't been completely open about your life or sin or temptation and are on the verge of deliberately turning your back on God. Some of us have come in here today and said, this is my farewell worship service. Because I have so much junk in my heart that I haven't gotten open about. And I'm just, I don't care anymore. I'm done. But I'm going to come here and smile and give my hugs. And then I'm not going to return any phone calls or text messages or anything because I'm out. Some of us need to hear that truth. Some of us need to hear the truth that we've been prioritizing other things and not meeting with the body of Christ. If you're disconnected, we know this. If you're disconnected from the body, you're disconnected from the head. You can't be a Christian by yourself. That's, a, that's deception. That's a lie. Satan is telling you, oh, just have a quiet time. You'll be fine. Just go read your Bible and pray, and you'll be fine. You don't need the church. You don't need to meet with people. That's a lie. If you're disconnected from the body, you're disconnected from the head, and you know what? Some conversations need to be happening tonight where the truth is, bro, you've missed midweek here for the past month. And I know it's because you're not sick. And I know it's not because of your job. Let's talk about it. Some of us need to hear the truth, the fact that our children run the house and leave the household, and we let them and wonder why they won't obey or respect our authority. And so we have these, oh, my daughter, she's just strong-willed. Oh, she's just tired, and that's why she's running around doing a tantrum and not saying hi to anybody. That's, and we start making excuses for our kids. Instead of just training your child. Dad, you're the authority. Not the little cute girl and not the little cute boy. You are. Mom, you're the authority. But some of us sometimes need to have a tough conversation about our kids. You know, it's funny. It's funny. It's tough to talk about parenting with other parents. It's hard because you're like, well, I don't want to disrespect the way that you're doing this and blah, blah, blah. And you, But, man, I, I'll tell you what. I appreciate it when somebody comes, confronts me and says, you know, Bella, she's acting a fool in kids kingdom. And you need to do something about it. I appreciate that. I need that. We have blind spots as parents. We need help. But some of us need to hear the truth that maybe our kids are leading our house instead of us as parents. Are you guys still here with me here? Okay. I'm just checking. It's kind of quiet. Got a little quiet here. You know? The truth hurts. Right? Right? Now, understand, I'm, the, some of these things are just overgeneralizing. I understand we've got uh, to... The next point's going to be talking about how we tell the truth, okay? So don't worry. But some of us need to hear the facts. You know, once we hear this truth, though, it frees us. Because now we know what to work on. You can't, as an, as an employer, you can't just randomly go... This is, it's so rude to go to an employee and say you're fired just because you're fired. Without working with them, at least having several conversations with them, here's some of the things that you could do better. Here's some of the things that I've seen. Here, And giving them a couple opportunities before you pull the plug, right? We have some employers here. Some talking to you. I mean, it, we understand the truth hurts, but if you're not giving people the facts, then it's not freeing them to grow and to learn. We need to be diagnosed. We need to figure out how to change that. So we, need, we need to hear the truth. We can't be afraid of the truth. The scripture says, love rejoices in the truth. In our relationships with one another we have what we call discipling relationships where you know, two guys or two girls or two couples will get together and intentionally talk to each other about how we're doing in our relationship with God. How are we doing in our purity? How are we doing in our giving and our greed? How are we doing in our evangelism? How are we doing in our parenting? How are we doing in our marriage? How are we doing in... We have, this is, our church is strong in this, and we believe strongly in this. This is needed. But if we're in a discipling relationship and there's no truth being told, we're just faking the funk. You know what I'm saying? We're just kind of going along with the flow and like, yeah, hey, I'm praying for you. You're praying for me. and Let's go watch the football game. You know, that's not discipling. Discipling relationship is when I get with a brother and we confess sin to one another We challenge each other. And yeah, we'll pray together, but we'll we'll confront the issues. We need to hear the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, you know what? We should be able to handle the truth because love rejoices in the truth. Lastly, number two here, speak the truth in love. We know this guy, right? We know this guy. When he's lying, what happens? His nose is growing, right? We, we don't want to be like this guy. We don't want to have friends like this guy, right? Speak the truth in love. You know, Paul, the apostle, he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus, uh, the people there, and, and he tells them, he, he writes this whole uh, thing about how the, the church is, is the body of Christ, and it's built up, and, and, and as it matures, it, it reaches to the, to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ as each part does its work, speaking the truth in love to one another. In other words, the body of Christ, this vision that God has for His people, does not happen unless there's intentional talking and speaking of the truth in love there's there's a there's a phrase in love in agape with a decision to say it without expecting anything in return think about that am i loving so and so if i don't tell them the truth the facts not what i feel but the facts Here's a tool. I was reading that book, you know, the book Love Works, and he gives us a really cool tool that I, I, I hope this can help us, okay? How can we share the truth in love? Because the truth hurts, and sometimes you've got to have tough conversations with people and, and say hard things. But let's, I want to show us a tool that, that uh, uh, this guy Manby wrote in his book, uh, Love Works. In the next slide here, he calls it the same as, more less of, more of principle, And what he does, he was sharing about this in his book, and he's talking about how with an employee, uh, he will get a piece of paper out, and on the top of the paper he'll write same as, less of, more of, three columns. And on the column same as, he'll he'll write down the things that he really appreciates about this employee. This is what you're doing great. This is what I really appreciate you. You are outstanding in this builds them up right and then he writes in the other column less of this is what you could be doing less of in other words in order for us to move forward and for you to become a better employee these are some areas that you could do Uh, just just take it back a notch in these areas and then more of this is what you could be doing more of this is what you could be you know you could try this or that and just solution oriented and as I was reading it, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Uh, it's a really neat tool to be able to use in tough conversations. Because you don't want to go in a conversation. Sometimes we go in a conversation, guns blazing. Like, I'm just ready, let's go. Blah, 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 blah. Deal with it. Peace. You know, <laughs> like sometimes we, we have these, this, this, you know, I can't wait to tell them. I'm going to tell them this. I'm going to tell them that. Man, this was such a cool, a great tool because uh, it, it takes some of the emotion out of it, and it's just about the facts. This is what other people have said. This is what I've seen, and it's a pattern. This is what you're doing great. This is what you could do less of, and this is what you could do more of. And it's kind of it's encouraging. It's not trying to blast somebody. It's actually encouraging, trying to build them up. Like you can do more. You can do this more. If you just did this a little bit more and a little bit less of this, you would be outstanding. And I thought about this. You know, as we speak the truth in love to one another, I'm wondering if this is a tool that some of us could use in our discipling relationships, in our friendships, maybe even in our marriage. Now, I know marriage is a little tough, right? Marriage, there's some feelings in marriage. You know, my facts may be very different from Marina's facts. So sometimes we need some outside help, right, to help us to see the facts clearly. But I'm wondering if this is a tool, again, just to equip us to have tough conversations. Some of us with our best friends need to have tough conversations. We've let things slide too much. We just need to have a tough conversation. This is what I appreciate about you. This is what you've done in our relationship that I don't, this this is, if you could just do less of this and more of this. Then our friendship will continue growing, getting better. To God be the glory. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying? I appreciate, you know, I appreciate uh, brothers in my life challenging me to see the truth. I had a brother, um, even in in the past week, just share with me, hey, sometimes I feel like when we get together, it's 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 not. I want to know more about our friendship and how you're doing. And sometimes we just cover a lot of the different things that we're doing and I want more of a mutual friendship. And I was like, you know, I got I, I don't Marina thinks I got defensive. I probably did, but I needed to hear that. You know, I just needed to hear that. I I, I need to be I need to be a better friend. I need to grow in that area. I need to be a uh, 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 and I can't be everybody's best friend, but I, I can be a, a good friend to people if I really put effort towards it. Do you see what I'm saying? But if somebody didn't say that, I wouldn't know what to grow in, what to get better at. The truth hurts, guys. But we need the truth. In Galatians 2, you know, Paul and Peter had this uh, situation where in, in uh, the church in Galatia, uh, Paul, uh, they're all hanging out with the Gentiles, and Paul, Paul really respects Peter, right? Peter's the guy who first preached that sermon in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were baptized, I and mean, he's the, he's leading the charge, and he was with Jesus, uh, he got to see Jesus at the transfiguration, and I mean, it, you know, Paul's probably like, man, Peter is amazing, right? And they go they and hanging out with the church in Galatia full of Gentiles, and and a situation happens where the Jews, some Jews from Jerusalem, come to visit the church. And all of a sudden, because of the racial prejudice and tension, Peter starts, you know, getting himself away from the Gentile church and going to hang out with his Jewish brothers. And all of a sudden, he's, Paul's at church, at a church fellowship potluck or whatever, and he's like, wait a second, Peter and I were just hanging out with this group of people And now Peter, all of a sudden, is kind of like going over there. Wait, this shouldn't be. And in order to preserve the unity in the church, Paul calls him out. And in Galatians 2, verse 14, he says, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Now, I don't know what Peter's response was. I don't know if he took offense to that. I don't know if maybe Peter had to talk to Paul right afterwards and like, bro, that was kind of insensitive, what you said in front of everybody, and it was disrespectful. I I don't know. But no matter what, Paul, even though he was super loyal and respectful and looked up to Peter, he still called him out in front of everyone. Peter had a blind spot, and Paul was not going to let the gospel of Christ be compromised. Are you willing to speak the truth to people no matter the consequences? We cannot compromise the gospel of Christ. Paul respected and was more loyal to the gospel and to the unity, what what needed to happen in the body of Christ than he was to a certain individual. We need... To speak the truth, without being concerned about the consequences. Sometimes we uh, confuse disagreement, being di- uh, disagreeing with somebody, with conflict. Like I'm in a conflict with somebody because they don't agree with my opinion. Well, not necessarily. You see, disagreeing is fine when we take it personally that's where the conflict comes you see what i'm saying and this guys this is true in family life this is true in relationships and friendships this is true in our jobs this is true in every aspect of inter, of human interaction when there's disagreement disagreements fine But once we start taking disagreement personally it creates conflict now i don't know if peter took this personally but I appreciate the fact that Paul was not afraid to just call him out in this area. And I want to help us, church, to understand man, we've got to be careful in our conversations that when, when there's disagreement, disagreement's fine, don't take it personally. If we stop taking things personally, there'd be a lot more like healthier conversations happening and trying to be solution oriented and figure out how can I understand where you're coming from instead of, well, that's the way that you said it. I don't agree with it. Well, let's work on this. Amen. Sometimes in small group or in decision making in the ministry, we may disagree with the with the direction. Voice the opinion of disagreement, but don't take it personally if others don't go your way. Too many times we take things too personally and end up becoming bitter about something that was never meant to make you bitter in the first place. (laughs) Speak the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. Now, as we speak, check this verse out that Jesus says in Matthew 12. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty or careless word they have spoken for by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned that's a convicting scripture for me as a teacher as a preacher I've got to be very careful with my words but for us as disciples people that are trying to follow Jesus people that are trying to put things into practice we've got to be very careful about what we say and how especially what we say not not so much sometimes yes how we say it but this scripture is specifically talking about our words so yes, speak the truth but be careful as you speak the truth make sure you have the facts before you speak it amen church so john chapter 4 verse 34 to close out i want to challenge you Some here today are in need of confronting reality and the facts in your life. I want to challenge you. Have someone share with you what they see—same as, more of, less of. Use that tool in your discipling time this week. Use in your times with the small. Use that tool to have those tough conversations. Maybe there's somebody at your at your job. You need to have a tough conversation with them, and you're afraid of how they're going to react. Use that tool. See how that goes. Crucial conversations. But some of us need to confront reality and the facts in our life. Some here today are hiding out and not confronting sin. You're skating around the issues. Stop making excuses. Sin is deceitful. It's easy to justify. Some here today are hiding impurity and immorality. If you know about this, speak the truth. Your friend, your brother, your sister in Christ is enslaved and trapped by sin. The truth can set them free if you were to just open your mouth. We know, we have friends in here that are trapped by something and we haven't confronted because we're afraid of how they're going to react. If you were to love them, as the Bible talks about love, You would rejoice in the truth and speak to them where they're at some of us in here need to align our life with god's word and jesus way of life take the bible read the gospel and then evaluate your life is it does it match up what needs to change where do you need help confront the truth and make decisions to follow christ according to his plan and his will for your life, some of us in here are studying the Bible, trying to figure out our faith. Align your your life with the Bible. See where you're at. Speak the truth. Let the Word of God speak the truth. Let people in your life to speak the truth. Align your life with Jesus' way of life. We need one another, guys. We need one another. You know, at the end of that conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman, in verse 34, it says, "Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him." Because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. The woman confronted the truth in her life. Repented, changed, and her testimony affected a whole town. Love always rejoices in the truth. Let's stand. We'll sing one final song, be dismissed.